Welcome to the Armchair Trader podcast. And uh, today we are on the subject of gold mining. Uh, we're talking to Jason Reed, who is CEO of Fortitude Gold in the US, which is an OTC traded stock. Um, welcome to the podcast, Jason. Thank you, Stuart. Thanks for having me. Uh, yours is actually a really interesting company. We've been following it for quite some time. Um, but I wondered if you could just give our listeners a quick overview of what Fortitude Gold is. Well, first, Fortitude Gold is, a, a, in my opinion, a unique investment in the gold space. Uh, it's unique in, in as much as we have two valuation metrics. We are like most all other gold mining or producing gold equities in that we have exposure to gold. Uh, we also have some exposure to silver, but it's primarily gold. But we have a second valuation metric that separates us, and that valuation metric is yield. We have substantial yield. So uh, I think that provides a unique opportunity for investors who are looking for both gold exposure, but they also want to have uh, yield as well. And because of that, we often outperform our peers. Um, and I believe it's because of that substantial yield. So uh, we're a gold producer and uh, we, we provide a dividend. We provide actually a monthly dividend. Which I guess is going to start making you quite attractive at the moment because, A, the, the gold price has been looking quite bullish. And secondly, there's a lot of people still out there hunting around for yield. Um, I think you once told me that there are some people who just like the stock for its yield and regardless of whether it's exposed to gold or not. Yeah, I'm actually surprised um, at probably the percentage of shareholders who invest in us that don't touch other mining equities. Uh, and they're doing that because they like the yield. Um, you know, it, we have gold bugs who are very bullish on gold and want the gold exposure. We have investors who just want the dividend and we have those who appreciate both. But yeah, the, the dividend definitely differentiates us and attracts, a, you know, there's an attraction there for a lot of investors. And when you, I mean, you're obviously a, a seasoned gold mining man. Um what was it that made you decide to take the job of CEO at Fortitude Gold? What was it that really attracted you um, to the company? Because you were also involved previously with, uh, I think it was Gold Resource Corporation. Yeah, I'll back up and just give a brief history on, on Gold Resource. Gold, uh, Gold Resource was created with the focus to pay a dividend as well. And when you go in with that focus, then you structure your co company with a tight capital structure so that whatever margin you do make, you can leverage that and pay a substantial dividend. So we had a lot of success with Gold Resource. I was with them for 15 years. Uh, I was CEO for probably 10 of those. And we, we structured a very tight capital structure. We had a great mining operation that spun off a lot of margin. And then we paid a substantial dividend uh, as high as 72 cents a share. So what that did for Gold Resource is we took a stock in an IPO of a dollar per share and it ran to a high of $31. So we learned a lot. Uh, you know, that was kind of the beta test for this model of being a substantial dividend payer along with being a gold equity. So we had a lot of success. Now, in this space, it's very cyclical. So you have bull markets and bear markets. And there's when a bear market hits, there's nothing you can do about it. 
so we got torn down along with the rest of the space in the bear market. Um, but when you look back at Gold Resource, we had a tremendous amount of success. And we outran many of our peers back then because of the dividend model. So we reached a point with Gold Resource where it made sense for a number of different reasons to spin off at the time a small portion of the company that focused just on Nevada. Gold Resource focused primarily in Mexico. So we spun off what became Fortitude Gold. And Fortitude would then move forward to be a dividend paying gold equity in the junior space. Uh, gold Resource was traded on the New York Stock Exchange. Fortitude is a junior that trades on the OTC. So what attracted me to, to Fortitude is that this was the opportunity to take all that we learned with Gold Resource and do it again. And so we've applied the same model. We've taken what we've learned. Uh, we've tried to improve upon it. And so we find ourselves with Fortitude Gold that has a very tight capital structure for a gold equity with a, uh, an operation with a great margin and we're paying a substantial dividend. We're already paying 48 cents. And, you know, as a company, we've only been around a couple of years. So um, we're doing it again, basically. And there's many, many reasons why I, I came over with Fortitude. But one of one, uh, an additional reason was, you know, we had a lot of input from investment bankers, you know, different advisors, and they said, the market truly has to believe that when you do the spinoff, you're going to, you will pay a dividend. You're actually going to do that. And then you have to have a management that's willing to do that. Well, uh, I was the logical individual to come over because I've, I've done it in the past. So the market didn't doubt that we were going to pay a dividend and uh, the market didn't doubt that we were going to, you know, try to do this again. So that's what it really attracted me to come over to Fortitude. And the, the company's core asset is, Isabella Pearl, the, the flagship project for Fortitude. Can you give us a bit more detail on that? Yeah, the Isabella Pearl is a great deposit. It's an open pit heap leach operation. So, and it's north of a gram. So in our industry, if you're not familiar with grade, it's very, very common for a lot of mining companies, large and small, to chase a a deposit that's 0.5 gram average. So when you get north of a gram, you're into um, what's considered high grade for an open pit heap leach by most people's standards. So the Isabella Pearl is actually north of two grams. And, you know, it's a, just a great deposit that uh, we started out with. And that's provided us with the margin um, that we're able to apply to our tight capital structure and already pay 48 cents a share, you know, a year, we pay monthly at four cents, but uh, it's a great open pit heap leach. Now, what's exciting about Isabella Pearl is it sits on this mineralized trend. So if we were to stand, or if you were to come to the operation and stand on a high point, you could look across the uh, paved highway, if you will, and you could see an old rehabilitated mine that produced 300,000 ounces. And if you kept looking in that direction, there's several other open pits. So we have locked up from the Isabella Pearl going northwest along this trend, uh, 10 kilometers um, of this important mineralized trend. 
So I believe that there'll be more deposits on the Isabella Pearl trend. I, there's no reason to think those structures stop. So if all we had as a company was the Isabella Pearl and the trend of Isabella Pearl, I'd be very excited. But we also have uh, numerous other uh, properties, all of which have surface or near surface gold that's in excess, well in excess of a gram. So what we hope to do is put together, you know, a, a production profile where we go from one mine to the next to the next, and we, may, we remain a long-term producer in the gold space. But we've launched with the Isabella Pearl, and it's a great mine to have uh, launched with. So effectively, what you've got is a you've got a producing mine already, and and you're looking to explore some more sites in the vicinity, and you've got the cash coming from a producing site. It's not like some of the some junior gold miners who don't have any cash at the moment. They're just looking for that first strike and they keep having to go back to the market, raising more money through private placements. You've got the, you've got the cash flow already, which get, puts you in uh, quite a decent position. I absolutely I agree with what you said. And you touched on something, in my opinion, that's very important and that in this space, it's very difficult space, it's very capital intensive. So um, I don't mean to sound harsh on the industry when what I'm about to say, but what I'm about to say is it is very common for mining companies to constantly serial dilute their shareholders to stay in business. And um, we don't do that. You know, we have a tight capital structure. Uh, we basically have more or less the same number of shares we've had since we've launched and we're producing uh, cash flow, like you mentioned, you know, the last uh, filing of our 10 K we had 50, we have uh, 45.1 million cash in the bank. So, uh, we're very uh, fiscally sound and strong, and and we have a great portfolio of properties from which to deploy a lot of capital to find to find more of these deposits. So yeah, I agree with what you said. We're in a good position to continue to explore, and we actually have two very advanced properties, um, County Line and Golden Mile, and we're moving those forward as we speak toward production. Can you give us a bit more detail on how far along you are with those two? Sure. Well, we were initially focused on Golden Mile. It had an initial resource on it. Um, we're, we're doing all the engineering and design work and, and mine plan, et cetera, on Golden Mile. And we continue to keep our foot on the gas. And that'll, that'll uh, ultimately, I believe, be a producer. Uh, along the way, though, we did a first drill program at County Line. Well, County Line is just, you know, 20 miles up the road, if that, on the highway. So when we did our initial drill program at County Line and came awful close to about a 40,000 ounce initial resource that's open on strike and depth, when we look at permitting times, et cetera, if we're going to mine this and then truck the ore to our facility at Isabella Pearl, this could dramatically shorten the time frame of getting a, a mine into production. So effectively, County Line jumped parallel with Golden Mile. We're pushing them both down the track uh, equally. Now, having said that, because we're going to be taking the approach of mining this more like an aggregate, where we really don't have a process, we don't have to spend the money, take the time um, of permitting to, to get the right permits to build a process, 
capital to build a process, construction times, et cetera. When we're mining it as an aggregate, if you will, and then trucking the rock, the ore down to the Isabella Pearl, it could go into production much sooner. So it's likely that the, it, the Golden Mile will be the next producer, followed by, uh, or excuse me, County Line will be the next producer, followed by Golden Mile. So uh, we have two in, in uh, running down the tracks that I believe will both become producing mines. All the while, we're exploring our, our numerous other properties. So that, that's some, I mean, something you touched on there is the fact that you've already got the existing gold mine. You can actually leverage some of that infrastructure once one of these other ones comes online, which is, again, something another, a, a lot of other junior miners don't have. All they're hoping to do is, is make that discovery and then hopefully bring in a um, bigger partner to help them with the heavy lifting. You've already got a, a lot of that capacity in place already. Yeah, we do. And the, it's kind of like a hub and spoke concept where county line you heard me mention that we're we plan to just truck the ore um, crushed ore to isabella pearl which is a short haul distance without any other process at golden mile we'll build a process but we're we don't plan to build an adr plant which what that is 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 the final stage that pours the door a bar so what we'll do is we're, we've already commission the, the, our, uh, this process to be built and it's almost done, if you will. Um, it's being built modularly, tested offsite so that it can be hauled in and set up quickly at Golden Mile. But my point is it'll take the gold to the carbon phase and then we can haul our carbon to our ADR process facility at Isabella Pearl from which to then pour the door A. So it's leveraging our already built infrastructure where possible. And depends on the haul distance, a little bit longer haul distance with Golden Mile. So we're taking the gold to carbon. County line's very short haul distance. We plan to truck the, the direct, you know, the ore, crushed ore. But this hub and spoke, I believe, will allow us to build projects much quicker. It'll streamline the, uh, the permit process because what we experienced in Nevada is when we went to permit Isabella Pearl, it, what took them the longest was looking at the ADR. That's what they call the hot side. That's that's where they really focus on. Well, if we're not building an ADR at Golden Mile, we expect that permit to drop in sooner. And we're not building really anything at County Line, so that one should be even sooner. But leveraging infrastructures, I think, is an important part of our, our game plan and puts us in a good position to have mines come online quicker for less expense. Um, and yeah, keep us in Nevada for a very long time. And effectively, that helps you to keep the keep a lid on the costs and also means that you maintain that tight capital structure that you want to be able to then pay the dividends. Yes, it is our intent to not dilute our shareholders at all to build these next two mines. And that's that is unique in this space. Usually when you have a, a junior or even a, a mid tier or major, oftentimes they don't self fund to build a mine. You know, they find a new mine and then they raise money to go build it, which is fine. But in our situation, I hope to build the next two mines with our cash flow. And to that point, um, if, if one was to start looking at Fortitude and go back and look at our conference calls, et cetera, you've heard me speak about us actually deploying capital toward the Golden Mile. We've spent now over $10 million 
in capital, locking down the prices of equipment and materials for Golden Mile. We're, we're in such a brutal uh, inflationary period where when we are trying to estimate CapEx for these builds, we put things out for uh, bid and the bidding process went from, okay, these prices are only good for a month to they're only good for two weeks. Well, how do you, how do you function if your prices are changing so rapidly and changing, meaning they're going up? So we, we uh, looked at it on a risk reward basis and it made all the sense in the world to buy this equipment now. And so we've deployed already $10 million toward the Golden Mile build. Now we did that all while spending what last year, 12 million on exploration, on paying the dividend at about 12 million. Um, and we put cash in the bank. So we're trying to do it all um, with cash flow. And, and, and are you presumably trying to prune out some of the issues that I've heard, for example, some of the Canadian miners having where they may be looking to lease or hire equipment and then they can't get the equipment and then that delays projects as well as some areas of the Canadian mining industry where this has been a big issue over the last 24 months. Yes. You know, it, it I love this industry because it's a, a challenge and, you know, I, I'm always skeptical when I hear anybody say it's an easy industry because to me, it's just a, a huge challenge, but that's what I love about it. Um, but yeah, when you make the assumptions that the equipment's going to be there or you'll be able to get um, the materials you need down the road, you know, supply chain issues that we all experienced during, uh, you know, the lockdowns of the pandemic, et cetera, those have started to ease. But what if they were to come back um, for all the various reasons? We're trying to mitigate all that so that we're not held up because we can't get our heap leach liner, for instance. So we went and purchased all the liner to build the heap leach pad for county line, or excuse me, for Golden Mile. Um, that's sitting in our yard next to the Isabella Pearl Process facility. So we not only secured that material, but we locked in the cost because the cost just keeps going up and up and up. And we've seen over the last years, you know, there's been several mining companies come out and say, look, you know, we're building this mine and the inflationary pressures have pushed the capex up uh, you know that'll that'll impact us as well but the more costs we can lock in the less impact it has and i'm gonna i might put you on the spot here but in, in your discussions with investors and obviously you talk to a lot of investors in the stock um long-term shareholders short-term shareholders what's the what what do you think is the most the thing that most attracts them or most pushes their button is is it the fact that you've got this consistent uh, dividend yield is it the fact that um you've got that exposure to the gold price now which seems to be moving or is it the fact that you've now got these additional projects coming online which you're able to fund yourself and develop and what gets them the most excited yeah it's the feedback is typically the excitement on the dividend. And, uh, you know, if you step back and look at 42 gold in the broader spectrum of the mining space and producers, 40,000 ounces a year isn't really impressing anybody. I don't mind that because I'm not trying to impress anybody with the number of ounces we produce. I don't ever want to be the largest producer that that's not, I don't want to just grow. I want to be one of the more profitable producers. 
And so it doesn't matter to me whether I'm doing that with 40,000 or 50 or 100. I'm not chasing this. I'm going to 100, 200, 300 like most producers do. And I think you have to do that if you don't have the dividend component because all you have is growth. So if you have the dividend component, the shareholders, many shareholders focus to that. And you tap into a pool of capital much larger than the gold space itself. And that pool of capital are investors who, as you've heard me mention earlier in the interview, don't, don't invest in gold typically. They're just chasing dividends and yield. And that pool of capital is absolutely huge. And so as a junior to be able to tap into that. So coming back to your question of what are shareholders typically want to see, they, they, they love the dividends. So the pushback I got on the last conference call when we came out with our 10K is, okay, nice, nice year. You added, you did all this, you know, deployed capital to Golden Mile, you stayed profitable, you paid us dividends, you explored, you found more ounces, this, that, the other. When are you going to increase the dividend? So there's the pushback of when are you going to increase the dividend? You have more cash in the bank to do that. And my response was, you're right. We could increase the dividend right now. But for shareholders who don't typically invest in this space, they don't understand how capital intensive building a mine can be. So I don't want to put our company in a position to be tight on capital when we're building these two next two mines. And so I would like to have the biggest war chest possible. And that war chest is being generated and built and increased with our cash flow. We're not going and diluting shareholders and um, raising uh, capital. So that's the pushback, Stuart, is your cash flow has gone up. When are you going to pay us more dividends? Now, we could increase the dividend today and we would see a pretty sizable bump in the share price because there is a correlation with yield. And so, you know, the share, everybody has a different view on yield they want to see, et cetera. But in, on balance, the higher the dividend, you know, the, the higher your share price is going to go. So, yeah, if we were looking for a quick bump in our share price, we could increase the dividend today. We're here for the long term and we want to make sure we have enough capital to build these next two mines. So that's probably the biggest pushback is you guys have plenty of money, increase the dividend. But then I put, you know, I have to push back and say, you're right, but we also are going to build two mines soon. So we have to I want to make sure we have enough uh, money to do that so that we don't dilute us and us meaning shareholders. Uh, and I know this probably can't give us an awful lot of detail, but what are, what are your plans for the company uh, going forward this year? Well, this year, I I believe we're going to spend, as long as the drills are available and the crews are available, about the same on exploration spend as last year. And that really did well for us. We had a really exciting, really great year drilling numerous properties. So I want to deploy hopefully 10 million at the low end, maybe 12 million uh, in capital for exploration on our properties. We obviously want to see how big County Line is going to get. We need to drill more at um, Golden Mile. Uh, at Golden Mile, we had all these vertical structures, but the last drill program actually showed there's horizontal ones too. So we need to go back and do some infill to figure out how it all situates um, and hopefully grow that. But we also have East Camp Douglas, which is a huge home run potential for us. It's a lithocap structure that's mineralized. These are the style of deposits that if you have something, they can be quite large. 
but they're very large and very costly and time consuming to explore. So I want to keep on it um, and drill that. Um, we also have Ripper, which is a, a fairly new acquisition for us. Uh, it has a lot of high grade. Point being, we have a great portfolio of properties that I want to this year be drilling. And so right now, I believe we have two drills uh, currently and hopefully pushing for a third. So that's a plan. Obviously, continue the dividend at the current rate. Could we increase it? Yes. Are we going to? No, because we're going to. We plan to build a couple of mines here shortly. Um, you know, those are the big, the big focus of our 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 year. And then, obviously, with getting these mines into production, you know, we're pushing really hard to turn in our what's called EA environmental assessment permit with the regulators to get that started as kind of the official. Uh, permit process. So yeah, we have a lot on our plate. Uh, yeah. And all that said, I hope we're adding cash to the bank too. So that would be um, my goal as well is to put cash in the bank while we're doing all this. And and just before we go, um, the other question I wanted to ask you about um, uh, is actually Nevada. I know it's something you've mentioned before. Um, in terms of a, a mining jurisdiction, we, we we've spoken to a lot of miners on this podcast already, but no one who's been active in in that jurisdiction. Um, can you can you give us a, some color on the benefits of of working in in that area? Yeah, Nevada, USA is arguably one of the top mining jurisdictions, mining friendly jurisdictions in the world. And what I've experienced over the last 15 years is, for instance, in Mexico, when we started there, it was in the top quartile on the Fraser Institute's mining friendly jurisdictions. And I've watched it fall to the bottom quartile and as it is now. And, you know, Mexico's actually the current president, AMLO's pushing through some reform that if that goes through, that could be devastating to mining in, Me in Mexico. I really hope it doesn't get pushed through, uh, but it's problematic if that's the direction that they're, they wanna go. But I, I use them as a example that there are becoming increasingly scarce mining friendly jurisdictions in the world. Uh, much harder to operate in places that used to be uh, better to operate in, but Nevada remains I believe it depends on what what exactly you want to look at, but the Fraser Institute puts them at the top one to three to top five in the world. So it is night and day operating in Nevada as opposed to when I had to operate in Mexico for the better. Uh, it's just a great place to operate. There's so many mines in in Nevada. And, you know, we're a, a small fish there in a big pond, you know, the Newmonts and Barracks and the biggest mining companies in the world are there. Um, and more are coming in. When we staked, or not staked, but acquired and then staked uh, after we acquired a lot of these properties back in the last bear market, nobody else was looking in this area. And now that we're back in a bull market, you know, Anglo Ashani just did the largest staking in our area staked all around us on one of our ends of our, our trend that the county has seen in recent memory. They're just one of many large companies that have come in to the area. So it's 
the whole environment's changed now. They're not coming into Nevada um, just for the opportunities. There are a lot of opportunities there, but they're also trying to get out of the other divest, if you will, or diversify out of where their primary assets are. So we're seeing a lot of that where uh, companies are trying to get into Nevada or the, the better mining jurisdictions because it's becoming harder and harder to operate where they are. So Nevada is terrific and we're very fortunate to be in Nevada. Well, thank you very much indeed for, for coming on the podcast today. Uh, really appreciate the time. And we'll uh, obviously be keeping our readers up to date with further developed developments in the company as you go through the year. Great. Well, hey, great speaking with you, Stuart. Thank you for your time. You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. Make sure you visit our website, www.thearmchairtrader.com, for your daily dose of financial markets news and sign up to our free newsletter there.